0: I couldn't respond. It was unbelievable, like Doug had said. Tom just looked at me and smiled. Welcome back, he said. I had a feeling you'd, you would return. That wasn't the way I. Doug put it. They fed me some dinner and showed me a bed in the basement. We'll talk in the morning, Gary. Get some rest. I began to wonder what God would want with me. Was I really part of the plan? And were Tom and Doug somehow part of... Of what it might be, they kept telling me it was no accident that I'd come, and that I was in the I was one of the chosen ones. I knew my father was of Jewish descent, but there had been no talk of that religion in all the years I could remember of my life. I was raised Quaker. My mother used to tell me because it was the closest church. She simply said they, they didn't want to drive all the way across town to take children to Sunday school. The Quaker Sunday school was only a half mile down the road. It was an old barn that had been converted into a large room church. I actually enjoyed going to Sunday school when I was growing was a growing child. Sometimes the, the relaxed Quaker atmosphere and the nice lady that seemed to, to read the stories out of the Bible and other good books would make me feel warm inside. I don't remember much talk of sin or guilt at all. I remember singing songs and feeling close to God. I was young, and I didn't know how. I know I was closest to God, but I felt it. Someone or something must have been responsible for giving me that feeling. I would always pray and feel like I was talking to God directly. I was kind of an energy level that I could sense. I felt God had recognized me and given me life. I was in his presence where I was born, and he had chosen to give me life, and so I was born. The very feeling of being alive was the same feeling as being close to God. The next day, when I woke up at Tom Buzzard's house, I felt strange. I knew I was stuck there, so I would have to start looking for a job. Tom over to help me find a place to stay, and he thought there would be a place for me at the university dormitories. I spent the day walking around Lincoln trying to decide what I was going to do. Hitchhiking out of town didn't seem like a reality anymore, and I was beginning to wonder if I wasn't getting some, some roundabout message from God and I was meant to stay. The University of Nebraska had a large campus and freely walked around just taking in the sights and sounds of student life. The whole student body that I could see appeared a lot more conservative than I, a lot of college students I was used to. Most of the students had short hair and looked like they were never heard of the hippie generation. I appeared very noticeable by comparison. My long hair was causing people to look at me rather uncomfortably but the looks were not hostile I felt kind of bad that I was making people notice me I liked the normal atmosphere that seemed to be in the air surrounding the students I didn't feel right making waves I began to think about cutting my hair so I could fit in a little better in my new society I found a barber shop When I walked into the barbershop, all the customers in the barbers looked up. I was making a grand entrance, and it felt good because I knew that I would soon be part of their people's lives when I cut my hair. It seemed they all were real happy to see it go. Give me one like that, I said, and pointed to a conservative short haircut style that was pictured on the, the wall. The barber was surprised that I wanted to go that far all at once. My hair was very long compared to what I pointed at. "'Are you sure you want to do that?' short, my barber said, as he pointed to the the white sheet over my clothes and got the scissors ready. "'Oh, yeah,' I said lightheartedly. I wasn't feeling reluctant at all. I was ready for a change. It felt good not to be attached to my physical appearance.' The stares from the old men that sat in the shop started dropping away as the six-inch cuts of hair fell on the floor. I was amazed how easy it was to be normal. When I got up from the chair, I felt brand new. I had a grin from ear to ear. I paid the haircut and waved goodbye to everybody in the shop. They all turned to see me go, and one of the barbers said, I couldn't believe you were going to do it. Everybody smiled and waved goodbye to me. I walked To the sunshine, a new man. I walked down the street and no one stared at me. I was accepted. When I got back to Tom's house, everyone was surprised. Doug said I looked wiser and more mature, and that made me feel good. Tom came in and didn't even notice my cut. He said he had some good news for me. He told me he had found a place for me to stay in the dormitories a mile and a half away. Doug was going to stay at the house in the basement, and Eric and John got involved with some serious studies with Tom privately. The Lord works in strange and wonderful ways, Gary. I found that one of the young men from our Bible study group has an extra bed in the dorm room because he his roommate left for the semester. He also will be able to get you free pass to the cafeteria meals, and he's from back east like you and you guys should get along fine. His name is Tom Hewitt, and you can meet him tonight if you want to come with us for our weekly pizza bowl night at the the alleys in town. You can meet everyone in our fellowship group, and I think you will have fun. Do you like bowling? Sure I do, and pizza too. Good, sounds like you'll be a good man for my team. That night in the bowling alley, I was introduced to a lot of new people, Everyone was friendly, and I got a chance to to talk to just about everybody, and the atmosphere was relaxed and fun. There were about 25 boys and girls, all 19 or 20. I noticed male-female contact was minimal. It wasn't stiff or awkward, and it wasn't sexual either. A lot of the young people looked pretty normal and wholesome. White socks, Levi's, white shirts on the boys, plain dresses and sweaters on the girls. I didn't find myself attracted to any of the women, and I was glad. It always seems to be such a burden to me to become motivated, to pursue romance when I wanted to see something more relaxing. I had known myself to go to ridiculous and time-consuming lengths to flirt. I didn't even feel the urge now, and it was a new thing for me. Considering I was in a room full of girls, no one was flirting, and I began to wonder if I was healthy. If it was healthy to have such a non-sexual atmosphere, then I realized everyone had more important things on their minds. Everyone I talked to asked me if I was saved. I didn't really know how to re- to answer. I didn't really feel I needed saving. I felt no danger or peril and I wondered what it was these young people were afraid was going to happen that they needed saving from. No one really pressured me and they they realized I wasn't saved in their standards, but they did view me curiously. I enjoyed bowling and so did everyone else. They all seemed to really want to show me a good time and I felt a little pumped, but I enjoyed their hospitality. Tom Hewitt, did not arrive that night because of his studies. He sent a message to Tom that he was looking forward to meeting me tomorrow. I got up early the next morning and packed up my belongings in my backpack. And Tom gave me directions to Tom Hewitt's room. I walked into campus and I found Tom waiting for me out front. He was a tall man about six foot two and wore thick glasses and penny loafers and a big smile. Tom was 21 and student of architecture. Nice to meet you, Gary, he said and extended his hand. Come on to my room and drop your gear. Hey, is that a Guild guitar? I have a Goya. We were instant friends. I liked him. When he got to his room, he pulled out the guitars and I started strumming some chords. Music was the bond. We both liked a lot of the same songs. But of course, I had to forever... Fever intensity about playing that forced Tom to sit back and just listen. He played for pastime, and I played for professional intentions. After we talked about our past lives, we decided to go to the cafeteria. Tom would see if I could pass off as one of the regular students. We had no trouble getting food and was wonderful to eat. Tom and I sat in the busy cafeteria with loaded trays of food and had a great time eating. Tom seemed to know a lot of the people on campus and was managed to remain in the company of empty chairs. All the other tables were bustling with activity, and I began to wonder if Tom was some kind of outcast or unliked for some reason. I thought perhaps his association with the Tom Buzzard household had something to do with it. He hadn't had any heavy raps on Jesus to me, nor had anyone, but perhaps he had in the past lost friends because of it. Most people feel a little strange about an evangelists and avoid contact for fear of being preached to, but no, Tom wasn't preaching to me. Do you read the Bible with Tom Buzzard? I asked diplomatically. Yes, we have fellowship and study groups and workshops together. I've learned a lot from him and so have a lot of other Christians. Is it part of the college program or something, or is it just a church type of thing? Oh, no. It's a spiritual and personal endeavor, and I feel real lucky to be part of it. Tom is part of a group of—he helped to form called the Navigators, and they are becoming becoming a big organization. Who pays Tom to do his teaching? Well, we all give money when we can basically is a non-profit God provides. I didn't even want to ask what he meant by that. Could God really pay rent and buying the groceries? I wanted to change the subject. I could remain unaffected by Tom's involvement with Jesus and God, and I wanted because Tom didn't push it. He just seemed to enjoy my company. I felt myself becoming increasingly curious. I wonder why Tom was so passive about Jesus with me. Do you enjoy the meeting with Tom? Do you have to study the Bible in order to believe in it, to go, to, to go as a good Christian? It sounds like you're pretty curious. Why don't you come to the meeting tonight? He looked at me and waited for my answer. I didn't really feel like getting involved, but I had this need to prove to myself and Tom that I wasn't opposed anyway to the pursuit for spiritual guidance. However, when it came to down to involvement, I couldn't help but feel reluctant. I believed God and what Jesus taught, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to have someone lead me into every day thought about it. To not be with me is to be against me, Tom quoted the Bible. I am not against you or the Bible study, Tom. I'm just not sure if I want to get involved with, with any organization. Well, you can stay in my dorm room if you want to. I'd be glad to have you as a roommate, and I'll try to get you a key. We finished our meal and returned to Tom's dorm room, and I played some of Bob Dylan's records that he had as I sat around and meditated after he left to go to class. It was a nice feeling that I could feel coming over me. I felt really lonely, but it was a warm kind of loneliness, Bob Dylan sang about going back to New York City because he had had enough. And I was beginning to feel the same. What the hell was I doing in Lincoln, Nebraska, with all these unfamiliar faces? I was stuck with no transportation, and my my wings had been clipped because I couldn't hitchhike out of the state because of the state police. I felt really lost, but I felt some kind of inner strength that emerged from the loneliness I was feeling. And Bob Dylan was singing about it in the drone vocal. It was kind of loneliness I almost enjoyed. It was like being a martyr. The freedom I felt by being cast to the wind and ending up in this situation was gratifying. I was having an adventure, but it wasn't very glorious. All the people I was meeting were mostly directly off the farm types. I liked them, but they didn't seem to have much in common. Tom was obviously the closest to my style person. He even told me he had tried smoking dope once. He quickly gave it up because he didn't interest him much. At least he had been exposed to the world that I was from, even if he didn't belong there. I felt it was kind of a strain to be with a bunch of people that I couldn't really get loose around. I sat down and meditated again. I began some of the yoga exercises I had learned back at FBS. I wondered what Sam Caldwell was doing right now. I wondered. I closed my eyes and tried to focus on the third eye. I started seeing flashes of my past. I could see Sam in his lotus position, chanting exercising with a group of early morning students in the gymnasium. The sun would shine through the window with rays, that reflected mystical particles of dust in the air. I sat in the half lotus position, myself and looked out my window, this Nebraska sunbeams, and tried to imagine myself back in Colorado with that group of seekers. I wondered what Tom Buzzard would think of Sam Caldwell. I wondered what God thought of me meeting and doing yoga. I wondered if I could get Doug Cunningham to meditate, and perhaps, perhaps he would find the answer to his mysterious problem, and he was postponing our trip to California, I hoped Tom would help him quickly because I was beginning to realize I really wanted to leave the Holston Hick town as soon as possible. I couldn't wait to see California and become really free like everybody else does when they get to that wonderful state of rebirth. I suddenly felt the compulsion to pray. I was confused and I thought it would be a good time to, to ask some questions. Dear Lord, I began to pray in a half-low disposition. Do you hear me, Lord? The silence of the afternoon was my only response. Lord, am I doing something wrong? You would tell me, wouldn't you? Words just seemed to be coming up without any forethought. God, obviously really wanted me to stay and get involved with these people. I sure would like to go to California I sure would like to get to be able to get up and leave. Please give me a sign. I always have tried to find you in my way. It seems to me you've been kind of elusive. Excuse me, but it's true. I mean, you are trying to tell me something. I am trying to understand. Really, I am. Is it true what Doug said that I wouldn't know you if I hadn't known the word? Don't you think Buddha was right when he said... There was something to be gained from every step in life. can I be one in the universe with you too? Lord, I feel like I know you. I've always tried to pray, and thank you for all the wonderful things you've done in my life. Isn't that enough? I suppose I could read the Bible a little more if you wanted me to. Thank you for your time, Lord. I'll check in with you later. I couldn't believe what I was doing. I was talking to God about my confusion and expected him to respond. Of course, God wouldn't pay any attention to me, to my words, if I didn't pay any attention to his. I seemed to be answering my own questions, and I thought that was very Zen. After all, to receive answers from within emptiness and self is very advanced. I thought to myself that I would obviously find God in my questions and the answers would be only a source in which raw questions would arrive. Then I began to think I was much too crazy and spoiled for him to want to help me out. I couldn't think about Christianity without finding loopholes created by my thoughts about Buddha and Lao Tse. I began to hypothesize that the essence of the Oriental religions and the drive to become one with the universe through selflessness, was the same as the essence of Christianity and the drive to become one with God and Jesus through selflessness. It was obvious, but it would be difficult to prove. I don't think anyone would care which path I, I chose, if I was one or the other, but how could I do both? Would become one with God, being bring me any closer to being one with the universe or enlightenment? Of course I thought, and then I realized the answering myself again. I must be pretty sure of myself. I thought I could make these kind of statements while it was really answering my, and it was really crossing my mind to try and develop a new concept for religious purposes a universal religion that captured all the essence of Christianity and Buddhism. Then I realized that nothing I could possibly think of hadn't been done before. It was only because of my lack of reading and studies that I thought I could start something new. It has all been done since the beginning of time. I began to realize all my own thought patterns were leading me to make a decision. I actually thought I had an answer for what I should do. I could even say that I got it from God. I should start to read the Word. When Tom got back from class, I told him I would like to go to a Bible meeting that night. Tom was very happy and said that he would call Tom Buzzard and tell him that I was coming. I figured to myself that I had nothing to lose and perhaps a lot to gain. My Quaker upbringing had given me the strength to be comfortable with my search for the understanding of God. I wasn't going to be offended or even repulsed or even nervous if someone decided to do some heavy preaching to me. I liked God and the Bible, even if they were or weren't valid. Being raised Quaker obviously had given me a positive outlook on Christianity. That lasted well after I stopped going to Sunday school at 12. My brother indoctrination To Buddhist and hippie philosophy, it obviously prepared me for acceptance of Sam Caldwell's teaching on Taoism and macrobiotics, which in turn had given me the valuable insight and realization in all directions and was good, and balance is the determining factor. I realized at that time that music was my main drive. I was still motivated by my adventures, but music seemed to be the catalyst. I could go anywhere. I thought that I could find an outlet for my songs. All the records and performances were like gods to me. I could contemplate the lyrics as one with the Bible, almost. Anyway, I looked at it. It was obvious that I placed more meaning on the words to songs than the words of the word. Up until the day, it seemed to me that the lyrics of the important songwriters was much more relevant to me, to my life than the world, than the Bible, had become written so long ago. How I was beginning to see a separate reality. Bob Dylan suddenly appeared as a false prophet, a confused boy like me with a powerful tongue. I got up and wrote a song to Bob. It was called Bob Dylan's 115th Dream. And I spelled out the lyrics in an analogous fashion. I stood up and I was finishing and placed I paced the room, feverishly. I was swamped, swamped myself with thought. I looked at the windows of the robust student body moving in the gentle pace of the real world. They all didn't seem so encompassed by my spiritual confusion. They were plugged into the flow. They were all at ease with their life patterns. They had chosen one direction at a time, and. They were pursuing one direction at a time. It seemed so easy and so necessary. Why did I get concerned with alternatives all the time? I cursed myself for my insight. Worldly knowledge, it was absurd. It seemed the more I understood, the more I was confused. When Tom came back into the room after making his phone calls, we got ready to go to Tom Buzzer's house. I was relieved of my thoughts. I felt good just walking with Tom over to the meeting. He was such a simple, humble guy. I felt I could relax with him. Tom, I felt really good about this. I've actually been looking forward to studying the Bible tonight. I think you'll enjoy it. I've I've, I've got something for you. He reached his pocket and pulled out a small Bible. Here, this is for you from me as a kind of housewarming present. Tom laughed, and so did I. I said thanks and took the Bible from his hand and felt it heavier than it looked. It had a vibe to it that made me feel like I was being noticed for carrying it. I looked around and thought people were looking at us from the corners of their eyes because they thought we had something. When we got to the buzzer's house, everyone was already seated around the dining room table, and I said hello to Doug, gave him a smile, and stood and gave him a handshake. Tom Buzzard was seated at the head of the table and looked very pleased to see me there. He introduced me to the all the people. I sat down to Doug, and Tom began talking. Let us pray. We all bowed our heads. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us safely together. Dear Lord, we wish to bring ourselves closer to you and understanding with every day and every word we read tonight in the Holy Bible. Please, Lord, open the minds. Of all who are present, so that they may find peace that comes when your word and your wisdom, let not the confusion of the worldly wisdom hinder the union of your children in the Holy Spirit. I couldn't believe what he was saying. I thought he was talking to me. And how could he know what I was thinking, I was going through? I hoped it was coincidence. Amen, he said. Everyone echoed, amen. Tom opened the Bible and then had everyone open the same page. We all took turns reading and discussing the meaning of a lot of the phrases. I hardly listened because I always thought the interpretation of the Bible was arbitrary. A few of the things that Tom pointed out, it really rang in my mind. I liked listening to him speak. It was very dis- disalarming. I kept thinking of his opening prayer and wondered how much he was aiming at me. I was going to ask, and I said decided not to. I talked to Doug after the meeting was over and found that he was definitely planning on staying for a while. And I told him I might also, and perhaps we would still travel to California together. Doug looked at me surprised. I'm glad you're staying. I hope it's what you want. I have been feeling much better. I'm glad we came. I am not sure what I think of this yet, Doug, but I was glad you brought me here. I learned learned a lot already. Have you asked Jesus into your life? He asked rather quietly. What do you mean? Have you been here? Have you been born again and given yourself to God? How do I do that? I wasn't sure I liked the sound of this. Well, Gary, just ask Jesus to come into your life. If you'll be relieved of your sins, you will be born again. Did you do that, Doug? Of course, and that is why we're all here, born in Christians here. Does it help you feel better? It is the only way to be. Do you think it helped me get a record contract? (laughs) It will help you in whatever way you want. He seemed to suddenly disappear from the conversation. I realized that he had a lot on his mind, and I guess joking wasn't one. Doug was very confused about something, but he wouldn't say what it was. What he needed, and then, then I said goodbye to everyone and thanked Tom Buzzard. Tom Heward and I went back to the dorm. It was dark and chilly, and we walked fast. We didn't say much to each other, and when I woke up the next morning, he was gone to class. I got up and walked around the dormitory with my Bible and notebook in my hand and looked for the piano I had seen the day before in the student room. I found it and sat down and started to play a song I wrote called Out of the Fog. And the lyrics defined my thoughts in confusion. I sang loud and clear, and the piano resonated. The piano resounded against the tile floor and cement walls of the dormitory. It was spontaneous therapy in a way, and I could hear my inner thoughts. Who in music, lots of students walked by, but none of them stopped to listen. I played louder and sang clearer. Where are you going? Have you got room for me? Foghorn is blowing as I float in the sea. I wanted an audience to appreciate me. Lots of girls with books walked by, but none paid any attention. I got embarrassed and self-conscious and reduced my volume to a dull roar. I sang myself, and my confusion was my audience. I thought about God to put lyrics to the song, about wanting to follow the light. I wrote all the words down in my notebook and got up and walked back to Tom's dorm room. I sat alone and meditated in the half lotus position and concentrated on the third eye. The sun started to go down, the rays of light hit me in the forehead. I felt good about where I was and what I was doing. There was still a part of me that wanted to leave and there a strong feeling emerging that I was surrounded by people that really know how to live. I like Tom Hewitt and Tom Buzzard. I like Nebraska. I, talk, I like people's attitudes here. I didn't feel like I belonged here, but with so much input at such a fast rate about God and the Bible and so much confusion about what I was doing with myself and my past in Iowa City, I felt myself wanting to belong to the dogmatic world. I wanted to feel correct. I felt the presence of God. I felt warm waves of sun that hit my forehead. I meditated. It was a parental feeling. I felt he was watching and waiting. I felt fear of being a wanderer. I felt guilt for treating my own life in a careless fashion. I felt ignorance from knowing so little of the word and its meaning. I felt the warmth and protection being offered just taking a step into his grace. I forgot my life and my past and my future. I forgot about what I should and shouldn't be, and I aimed my thoughts at the warmth. I was starting to feel, I remembered Doug's word from the before. Jesus, just ask Jesus into your life. I opened my eyes and moved out of the half lotus position into the kneeling position and clasped my hands together I began to pray. I felt I know what I had to do and say. I could feel a warmth come over me and I said the words, please Jesus come into my life. I give myself to you. I halfway expected trumpets and angels to come over and the heavens to become visible but that didn't happen. The Sun was just low in the room. It was getting dark. I've sat motionless on my knees. Please, Jesus, asking you into my life, I want to be born again, I said again. The rays of sunlight were on the ceiling and the shadows ebbing slowly away. I felt heavier and close to tears. It was like an emotional outburst. It seemed like the momentum of my thoughts had brought me to this place. I had arrived safely, now I was born again. I felt pretty much the same and very subtly different. I could see and feel no apparent change and I know something was new in me. It felt a simple achievement, like I did it. In a feeling I newly acquired confidence, I stood up and looked out the window. I wanted to tell someone I was born again. I was part of the good guys now. I looked at the Bible that Tom gave me and thought about how long it would take me to understand it. I picked it up and opened it to some arbitrary page. Put my finger right on. John 3, 1 to 16.
1: I'm going pull my oh, shirt sleeve up for the next one. Nebraska, rude 80. Couldn't hitch a ride to save my life. Out of time and out of money. Just a starving soul in the land of milk and honey. And the truckers passed me by. They didn't want. To know my name, and I know why. Jesus, I know why you scared them so. You could shake the law man down. Jesus, I know why you scared them so. Could shake the law, man, down. Break the law, man, down. Big Nebraska, Route 80 Couldn't find a life to save my soul. Out of time out of money, just a starving soul, in the land of milk and honey, and the truckers passed me by, they didn't want to know my name. And so You could shake the lawman down Jesus, I know Why you scared and, and so You could shake, shake the lawman down Shake the lawman down Oh no, the flesh and blood on these frames of bones. That's where I find my home. Lincoln, Nebraska, Route 80. Couldn't hitch a ride to save my life, so I. Reach my arms up to the Lord, and I cried out, Jesus' name. And the truckers passed me by, they didn't want to take me off, and I knew why. You could shake the lawman down. Jesus, I know why you scared that. You could shake the lawman down.